The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And then always, we invite you to join the discussion, uh, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag employee and hashtag performance. Today's topic is driving employee relevance and performance. And our guests for today's show are Michael Garcia, who's the Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Jackson Health System. Hello, Michael. How are you? Hi, how are you, Sanjo? Doing great. Very, very good. Thank you so much. And we have Sean Evans, who is the Vice President of Performance Excellence at UC Health. Hey, Sean, how are you doing? I am well. Good morning. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Good, 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 Sean. How are you? Good. Great, great. So uh, we are here to talk about the workforce capability needs that we may be trying to fill in terms of uh, whatever changes are coming in business and technology. Now, what we also see is at the same time, are we really able to keep the people who we have today, not just hire new people or letting go of people who are are uh, no longer being able to connect to what's what's going on. How are we making sure that the training and employee development programs that we may have put in there are really helping them stay relevant and perform at the optimum level? So this is not an HR uh, angle that we are taking. It is more to say, what do you do every day? Not just doing a, a formal training, but what do you do every day as part of what they do uh, go about creating value is, is where we will go a little deeper. That said, uh, Sean, first I would like to ask you, how do you rate the overall employee development uh, that, that may be happening today as compared to the speed of business change? Yeah, it's a great question and probably probably frames our discussion for the next hour or so. I think, you know, part of that depends on the industry, but for the for the majority of us and the industries that that we're in, whether it's healthcare or or whatever, I think most people would say that our our employee development cycle and and rate is falling behind kind of the rate of business change. And so even that being said, and, and I would agree with that for, for overall, that being said, I'd like to go within our industry and our industries and see who's doing this well. So those definitely are people who are, who are figuring this out and, and really are, are dealing with a high rate of change, but are also figuring out ways um, to really accelerate their employee development. And that's really where my area of focus is. So, uh, Sean, while you mentioned that it is industry dependent, Michael, come back, coming back to you, when you're sure. having any organization in any industry for that matter, and they, everyone is facing the change of one, one form or the other, they still Good have morning. to invest. Yes. Yeah, so, so how do you see us really? It, it's, it's almost like a race. So yep. are we racing well? Are we you know, taking care that we move at a consistently fast speed? What's happening? 
What's, I agree totally with Sean in reference to falling behind. Why? Because in most industry, technology is driving, is enabling strategy, but folks being able to adopt, to, to really comprehend the technology that's being thrown at them, to be able to do their jobs more efficient, more effective is very, very difficult. You know, I always say that there's two, two, constant change, uh, two constants, change and resistance to it. So also, we have to do it at a pace where each user has an opportunity to learn and grow at their own pace. And not everyone's at the same uh, starting point on the race. There's, you have folks that are very technology savvy and folks that aren't. So you need to make sure, and not everyone also learns the same way. Here at Jackson, we've had to create different tiers to really understand and assess where everyone's at and be able to educate them uh, at their pace, the way that they learn best to make sure at the end of the day, from a technology perspective, they're using the technology uh, to meet our needs and our patient needs. So, Sean, most organizations definitely have an intent to make sure the employees work well. And that has got, of course, a business connection to it. And generally, being a good organization wants to do that. The approach in many organizations has been seen. I would not like to generalize here, but it's seen as organization in that this is what organization wants from its people. So that's how we should groom them. Whereas looking at an employee out to see when the person is coming there, yes, they are working for this organization, but they are actually coming for their own success, their own satisfaction, their own smiles. Hmm. How are we looking at that? Are we, are we looking from employee out or are we are only looking organization in? <laughs> it's a great question. So uh, I, think, I think the organizations who are doing this well are figuring out that balance. And they're, and they're, they're figuring out that yeah, as an organization, we've got strategic goals and we've got um, you know, definite metrics that we need to hit. And there is a need for a certain type of, of employee or a certain type of person to fulfill a job need. But at the same time, the organizations and the, and the areas that are really knocking this stuff out of the park also realize there's a little bit of a self um, component for the employee as well, and they, and they are really um, looking not only to have a meaningful employment and work for a meaningful organization and all that and make a difference, but they're also looking for an opportunity to, to further develop their skills. It, it really, this, this, the synchronicity happens and, and the kind of the benefit for both happen when an organization is able to match both the need of the organization with that desire of the employee. And, and we've got a, you know, a bunch of different processes that we try to put in place to hit that. You know, the, the bad thing is and the old way of thinking is you don't want to train somebody um, for the competition you know you don't want to develop somebody so that they can leave for the competition but the reality is it's it's going to happen whether we want to or not and the the weird thing is is when we when we give somebody and, and an employee the training that they're looking for and the developmental opportunities that they're looking for um, oddly enough they don't leave because they've kind of found a place that fulfills um, an internal desire so we're we're actually seeing a reduction in turnover in some of our key people when we give them come advanced training and advanced development. And at the same time, it is meeting our business work uh, objectives for sure. So, um, Michael, when you look at any organization, of course, the intent is that they, they mean well for the employees. However, in some cases, uh, we may have had a business change and the employees who had joined earlier, they are... They, they have to somehow uh, adjust to the change versus we, on a regular basis, fundamentally looking that anyone new that we bring, 
which culture are we supposed to have them be benchmark against because culture may even be required to change because your needs etc are changing or we create a culture where the right people already automatically get attracted and the ones who are not a fit not because they're bad people but they are not a fit for the newer needs then they automatically move on to something which is better for them so you still meant well for people but you also at the same time took care of the organization so how yeah. how how are, are are we doing that? Are we are we working towards yeah. that? Like, yes, without a doubt, it, ha- it has to be a balance. Today, uh, the mindset can't be that we're going to poach from other organizations, employees that are going to come one hundred percent the way we need them. Every organization does business processes a little different, so no matter what, they're going to have to learn those specific business processes in the organization they're coming into. So just bringing someone from the outside is not the answer. You have to groom and continue to transform and change the culture within the organization, especially that that employee that's within the organization has years of institutional knowledge that is key to also driving success. So you can't just say, because we're making this change, I need to go get somebody new. It's really having, how do you communicate to these individuals from the top down and bottom up and put different layers for, for it to be relevant, let's say in a hospital at the unit level, for folks to really understand uh, what they need to do to be successful at their job. At Jackson, we put together a super user program. Uh, Jackson Health System, we put a, a super user program together that the folks that are helping in that transformation and the, and the culture shift and, and dealing with change, acting as change agents, are the peers, are the ones that are elbow to elbow having to do the same job functionality as the folks that might be having the difficult time adapting to change. Sean, typically, yeah, go ahead. If I can add on, Michael, Michael nailed it. So what, what he's referring to is kind of a, a, an intentional talent management strategy, and, and talent management used to be kind of this artsy thing that, that people did, but there's a real science behind planning for a workforce's future. I mean, a real science, just as much as there is in many other operations. And, and Michael gave a great example of, of kind of part of that, and, and, and organizations who really do this well really have a good talent management uh, science and strategy behind them. So, Sean, coming back to you on on the earlier days when we were just making widgets, we needed specific skills and we needed to and we had a way to measure that, Okay, if a person is making those widgets properly and of of reasonable quality, I guess we've done our job. Now we are not making widgets. We want people to be able to perform in order for them to be able to perform. We need them to innovate. We need them to do things which are out of the box, which is not so-called trained. That's a different type of competencies and skills and mindset that we have to develop versus earlier. So what is your shift in the way you are training people now? Are you still focusing on skills or are you going beyond that? Oh, no. We, so so there, it's, a, it's a tiered approach for sure, and, and this gets me kind of excited. But we do a little bit of, a, of just the skill development as needed, but it's not applied in nearly the same way. But our, really the focus is, and what we talk about, is really this shift to um, of, of, of types of thinking. And, and you can use kind of a process improvement methodology, whether you use Lean, Six Sigma, but that's a type of kind of improvement thinking. And there are different behaviors and different um, 
different styles that we look at there. That's what we train because I because we think that that type of thinking is going to be um, a, a thread regardless of where the where the people go. And then the one thing that we talk about a lot is that in the old days, Sandra, you you mentioned we mentioned widgets, and it was the same thing over and over and over. We made widgets. Now um, we don't, and so we talk about there there have to be central standards and kind of a central discipline, if you will, that that we're not going to deviate from standards, but there is also an ability to locally control, adapt, and adopt to the local um, environment. And that's really the level of skill that we're training now. And, and the people coming into our workforce, that's, that's really what they're uh, aligning to, and that's what they're appreciating. So in IT, Michael, more than anyone else, I'm sure you would recognize that we are supposed to do more with less, or in some cases, more with nothing. That means there will be requirement for the workers to not only just have the skills and competencies, but also develop that resilience while maintaining their creativity in order for them to continue. Otherwise, everybody will buckle and you will not have anyone working there. What do you do towards towards building that? Uh, You know, investing in the employees continuously, uh, giving them opportunities to learn. Uh, When it comes to vendors and bringing in technology, most of the time the end goal seems to be that go live when you first put that application or that technology in first productive use. But that's not really the end. That's really the beginning for an organization. It might be the end for that, that vendor that needs to now go on their merry way and go and sign the next contract or do the next implementation. But for the organization, it's all about sustainability. And the way you're able to sustain is making sure that folks are using the technology the right way and that you also sustain the talent and the knowledge within your organization that not only went through that implementation, that have specific knowledge and skills and understand the wise decisions were made to implement or configure the systems a certain way. So making sure that you're retaining your employees and investing in them to sustain those systems throughout times, throughout those changes, through, throughout those transformations. So, Sean, with, with your expertise and experience and even the role that you're playing today, are you expected to be a weatherman who can predict something, do something, and see what happens? Or are you supposed to be an engineer who has very specific benchmarks and there is a measurable approach to employee performance and relevance, which if we hit, that's great. If not, then there's a problem. Yeah, a little bit of both. So we definitely have the engineering aspect where there, you know, there, there are definitely business needs, and, and I don't think those are different. And we probably spend, you know, maybe 70 or 80% of our time on that. But then what we've also done in, in any of the organizations I work with is we actually kind of promote a, a strategic and scenario planning for employee development. So we actually force ourselves to look three, four, five, up to 10 years out and figuring out what are the, what are the development needs of these folks going to be in that timeline. And then we re, kind of reverse engineer back to today in trying to develop the skills. And it's, uh, it's a little bit of a slower process, but you get a little bit of the weatherman approach with that, with that predictive modeling five and 10 years out. But at the same time, as we get closer to today, um, we can kind of see what the weather is and then we can adjust. But that's how we are um, kind of adapting to and trying to, trying to meet the needs of both current and future um, employee development. 
Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's come back with uh, an intent to inventory the top issues that we may be facing when trying to deploy uh, the employee development strategies, or even in the first place, try to understand where the gaps are compared to what organization wants to get done and wants to go the direction and where the employees are. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, let's start with you, Michael. If you were to take the top three issues that or challenges that you think we are facing with respect to uh, even identifying what the changes we have to make uh, in, the, in the way we are trying to drive performance and relevance. What are those, in your view? So, the first one is, is obviously, from, an, from a healthcare perspective, regulate, regulatory and business change is happening so fast. And when you look at the, the big players in the industry, whether it's a Cerner EHR or an Epic EHR, these EHRs are not cookie cutter. So everyone's configuring them in a different way. When you bring new resources, even if they came from another organization using the same one, the, the technology is not the same. You're not using a checklist. It's not, not the traditional way of taking care of patients way back in the day when it came to a paper that it was basically a checklist. So the ever-changing of business process, the ever-changing of regulatory requirements, uh, keeping up with the technology for the users is, is one of the, the biggest challenges. And then the second is what type of education, how do you train these individuals to be successful? Uh, so everything having to do from a classroom training, not everyone can just grab that classroom just-in-time training and apply it, uh, whether it's elbow-to-elbow, whether it's WebEx or, or some kind of web training that they're, that they're doing through a WBT. So how they're getting the information is key. And then really the organization explaining, the third is, on the whys. So you get the buy-in. The employee really wants to engage and understand the need to be successful, that what they're doing today in their role, how it affects other roles downstream. Here at Jackson, that, that's what we're, we're tackling with when it comes to the, the folks using the technology in a meaningful way, in a successful way, and, and helping them and investing in them to make sure that they, they are able to do that. 
So, Sean, when we look at how we are looking at these individuals in terms of where, at to what level do we want to develop them? Are we thinking as just a manager who wants to get the job done and as long as they learn those competencies, skills, and even mindset, that's good? Or we're thinking as a parent who is going to try to prepare these individuals for the road? Because even though they don't stay here, but they will eventually become good, successful professionals wherever they go eventually. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question. This is, I think, where the, where the conflict comes because I, you know, in my world, I want to think of them in, in terms uh, as a, of a parent, but boy, the, the reality is and, and the challenge is we, you know, when we bring people into the organization, we, we bring them into a, a job that probably needed to be done yesterday or last week or last month. So, you know, the, the perfect world is we're just not given the, the amount of time to kind of do this, do this long-term cultivation that, that some of us would like and that some of us would see uh, be beneficial for, for sustainability. So definitely the challenge is how do you kind of meet both needs of, of the manager who needs to get their job done and she's got a deadline um, to meet and, and really struggling to get that job done, but at the same time, making sure we, we give people an opportunity to be successful. And I, I think that is the challenge that we're facing. And, and I've you know, seen, seen good ways of doing that and I've seen ways that don't work so well, but that's definitely the challenge. So the fact that you mentioned this, Sean, uh, that it is a conflict, if this was seen as a conflict, do you think that would undermine the type of techniques you could have used? Because a, a child looks up to the parent when they are all about taking care of them and preparing them for the road. If you look at only for their own interests, then you lose that mutual respect between organization and employee. Is that not understood or it is perhaps not, you cannot implement it properly? I, I think it's both. Um, I'm not sure if it's not understood, but I don't think that it is as overt as, as we would like to see it. So I, I think there's some level of understanding, but it, it just loses, it loses its intensity in the heat of the moment. Um, when, you, when you back up a little bit and back out of the deadlines and the day-to-day, -day, we all talk about the need to develop our employees and to give them an opportunity to kind of learn and grow. And that's easy when we're, when we're outside of the day-to-day -day work, but it becomes a challenge. So, so I think that, that, that people recognize the conflict. Um, they get it. Nobody is wanting to just work somebody into the ground. And at the same time, it's very challenging in the day-to-day in the -day work. And, and at the, you know, again, I'll go back to my, my original comment and, and some of the stuff that Michael was saying, there are ways to do it and there are ways that work, but it takes a shift. It really takes a shift in, a, in mindset from both managers and organizations to get there. Michael, as the leader yourself and your reportees, the direct reports, would you rather have them be seen as parents or as hard-nosed managers who want to get the job done? Parents, it, it's like Sean says, it, it's a, really a juggling act. It's more of an art than a science. It takes a lot of people skills, a lot of patience, um, because you do have the deadlines that have to be mean. You know, go live dates cannot be shifted. But at the same time, fo folks need to be respected. They need to feel appreciated. Uh, they need that pat in the back. So the, the parenting side, and then how do you explain to your new coming leaders that they then have to act as parents and they have to do as you do to them, to others. Uh, so that continues to trickle down, waterfall down. It's, it's all about getting the right leaders that understand that being a leader is not just having a title. It's really how you communicate 
and that parenting that has to, that coaching that continuously has to be going on to make sure that everyone understands the why we're doing what we're doing in the organization. So, you know, and it starts also from the executive top down. As I said, you know, the executive team has to have the alignment and, and understand. And when it comes to personnel, when it comes to change management, transformation, you have to have a specific mission and vision where you want to go from a culture perspective and making sure that everyone's leading by that example. So, and if I can, I if I could jump in, and I, you know, one of the and a very easy tool that anybody can use in both getting the kind of the manager side and the parent side. And, and Michael talked about during the go live, if if anybody can can really implement a feedback system that allows people to make suggestions for improvement and to get better, and then you know during the the next implementation cycle, you use those suggestions. That's really where you start to bridge the gap between getting things done now and as a parent encouraging growth. It's a it's a simple, simple tool. It doesn't take any time. It doesn't take any money um, for people to use to kind of start to bridge that gap. Now, Sean, so one is, of course, we can try to do our best or perhaps beat ourselves up to say, okay, perhaps we are not doing the best job and that's why we're not seeing the employee's performance and relevance being at par with what we want to be. But are there any areas in which an employee should be changing? We are not, you know, so so we work with that intent. Also, we try to solve or try to attack this problem from both sides. Any oh, challenges absolutely. that you see? Yeah, absolutely. So we we actually, I, I think it's a great point that there there there's a relationship here. And anytime you start talking about a relationship, there has to be kind of uh, whether it's a marriage, a, a parent-child relationship, or an employee-organization relationship, there has to be kind of mutual respect both ways. The organization is growing, and it it needs to um, a, a adapt, and it needs people to adapt. At the same time, the other side of that relationship is from the employee model, and they have to understand that the job that they signed up for. Um, is is going to be not will it, it's going to be different um, as as it goes forward and they have to be willing to put in the effort as well to change and and the, and there's a, there's an employee engagement model that actually talks about the need for both the organization um, to have these these intentional conversations about where it's going and it has some ownership and responsibility of making sure that there's an environment there to get there but at the same time um, the two way street on on that relationship for the employee is hey I'm going to make a commitment also to be getting better to engaging in in improving and engaging in improving myself i, I think it's i think it's critical it's not all or one it's it's really uh, the balance of the relationship there michael imagine in um in, in your it department uh, when you are trying to do whatever you could for a performance and relevance standpoint you you are personally not uh, educated and or uh, taken the training to become what sean does and when you talk about Sean, Sean may not have the in-depth knowledge of how technology, the skills, the way the trends are, are moving. How do you marry the two with other departments? I'm not saying that's, that's any easier, but with technology department, we traditionally see the HR department struggling to understand what on earth do you guys do and why do you need every time a different type of person? Why do you have to keep shifting your your makeup of your organization how do you how do you get the the expertise which sean has and embed that in technology for technology department to thrive at least sure sure at jackson what we've done is we've created informatics coordinators uh to serve as liaisons between the business 
and the IT department. And previously, what we would do is we would find somebody within the business that was very computer savvy or really was the, the know-it-all sort of, of how things were being done within the division, within the department, and then we'd hire them into IT because some kind of implementation was going on, and they were the most relevant individuals that understood the business processes, and then we would just educate them on, on the technology. But in the long run, those folks will no longer be relevant because now they're no longer in touch with the division, the, the business, the department anymore. Change occurred. They're not familiar with it. So having these informatics coordinators that now we sit in between, the informatics coordinators stay relevant, serve as those liaisons within the business and IT. And then they are also the ones that manage the super users within the business to make sure that they're listening to the end users, getting that feedback from the end users that are actually working with the systems and doing the business processes to, to formulate that, that communication chain all the way up so we continuously configure the systems on based on the user's feedback and the business processes that need to be and be done. And it's working real well for us having the informatics coordinators and super users as those communication points to stay relevant. So you, you, you've made an important point that you need those liaisons between business and technology to be able to connect and be whatever you produce at least gets used. So Sean, coming to you, if you had to go and try to work with a technology department or UC, UC Health's technology department and or, or anyone who you uh, delegate to do so, they really need to understand the nuance of technology or you would just take uh, IT people or IT people and just work? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they need to understand the nuance because I, I, there is no IT is IT. So we actually um, encourage our folks to go out and spend a day to shadow, to learn what they're doing, to be involved in committees, to be involved in um, in, in multiple initiatives, to really understand it, it is the nuance of, of what people are needing. When you, you know, we can say you need a certificate or you need experience. That's that's the minimum expectation. It's the nuance for how to deal with the customers and how to deal with um, change technology, that's the, that's the next step. That's the critical piece that we kind of are, are need and, are, and require to make sure that we can, um, you know, both develop the right people and get you the right people. And I just want to piggyback off of that, what Sean said, the cross-training, not only between the business and IT, but within IT itself, it has to take place because if folks are working on, let's say, clinical applications versus business applications, but they have a, a specific knowledge we could be capitalizing on that knowledge on both sides of the street, but if they only know one side of the street, you're really not maximizing their value. So uh, continuously shadowing cross-training within uh, the division is very, very important. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at how measurable uh, is this employee's growth and progress and relevance and uh, performance-related efforts uh, are in terms of the when we are making an investment, what kind of results are we seeing? And is that something which we can point to to say, okay, we are going to develop this more, and for that we need money, for that we need a business case, and uh, these numbers can drive the ROI graph, if you will, which could be shown to the top uh, executives and thus get the investment required. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. 
Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Sean, while we know that the investments to some extent are done and like your role is a proof of it that there is an investment being made, how measurable is this initiative so that as any other initiative in the organization, we are always asked to deliver a report from something quantifiable? Can you quantify progress based on investment made and then get more money to do more? This, this, in my world, this is, this is always, um, this is always the top question. And so what we have done and what, what we're kind of doing in the industry, a couple of different things. I think the first thing is the way that we are shifting our development mindset and, and no longer do we say, hey, you know, you get developed by going to an all day class or whatever else. That may be one thing, but it's not all. We're really shifting into developing people and developing skills through improving processes. So there's really an in-the-work component to development now that, we, um, that we're just, just kind of coming into within the last five, six years. When that happens, when there's an actual uh, link to an operational initiative at the same time that there's a learning component in there, we can absolutely start to measure progress just by the, the sense of that operational initiative. So there's definitely a way to measure progress and then get to the ROI question there as well. When you get to a little bit more fuzzy level, when you start talking about maybe leadership behaviors, whether, like Michael said, it doesn't necessarily mean be a title, but when we start talking about leadership behaviors, um, we've also kind of taken a scientific approach to that as well and really um, done it through a, a series of, of, of really identifying some key competencies. What does it mean to be a great leader? And then we actually have a, a fairly robust process that, that calibrates and assesses those leaders year over year based on progress, not just on based on, you know, survey data from their peers, but based on um, things that they've been able to do, um, you know, initiatives they've been able to shift, their level of engagement in their department. So it, it is a challenge for sure, but we're definitely moving in this direction. We just, I, I just see the writing on the wall. It's the way we have to go. So, uh, Michael, I'm sure you're busy making sure that technology delivers business value, and that's what your core focus is anyways. What do you expect from the individuals who are tasked with making sure that they keep an acute focus on the employee performance and relevance and and as a stakeholder, and what are you getting? So, we're putting together programs from a competency verification perspective, and we're seeing that now – 
know, through the change management program and explaining the why to the employees, competency levels are, are you know, starting to rise. Everyone's understanding the whys. They need to be doing what they need to do. And it, it sort of creates a culture of pride in, in knowing that you're affecting lives, you're affecting patient care, on, on why we're doing it. Before, you would see that technology was really shoved down folks' throat, and no competency verification was really being conducted previously in, in, throughout the industry. Now here at Jackson, we, we have huge um, efforts in verifying the competency of each employee, and we're seeing the outcomes because these systems, the, the dollars that organizations are spending in technology and not realizing the value, you, you just can't. Uh, you have to be able to measure. You have to be able to track, and and making sure that the, the employees are using the technology appropriately is the number one uh, place to start. So, to what would be value. your yeah? So, so what would be a holy grail for you in terms of a program or someone someone like Sean running that program, be offering you as on a regular basis? What's that ideal state so that you can do go about doing your job, they do theirs, but as a result we all succeed. Yeah, it, it's, it's making sure that, that the momentum is going in the, right, in the right direction, being able to render information in a timely fashion to make decisions on where we are from a competency perspective at each of the employee levels uh, to making sure that they're using the technology appropriately uh, and that we're able to support from a technology division the end users when we need to be agile, when we need to make changes, shift, or special attention to special employees that might need additional help when it comes to getting their job done. If there were no constraints, Sean, of any kind, what would you paint as the best program that any organization could run for employee performance and relevance development and what type of measurable results that you would like to be able to produce for the stakeholders? Okay, so it's, uh, you know, the miracle world question. So if there were no constraints, what I, what I think, and, and this is based on what I see is working very well in some organizations and, and departments within organizations, but when there can be a, a strict focus to the, to the organizational purpose, so we know what the purpose is, we know what the critical elements are to achieve that purpose, and then we have every employee in the organization engaged in, a, in an intentional process for improving performance. And it's, it's this idea of improving performance um, that is really um, producing the greatest level of results. So everybody is kind of is working on improving, but through that improvement model, it's, it's, the, it's the parallel process that's happening. It's through improving the processes, we're also improving the individual. We're helping them be more critical thinkers, and we're helping them be able to present their ideas better, and we're helping them be able to analyze data, and we're helping them be able to go out and talk to the customer and maybe talk to their bosses and their CIO and their, their CEO, and we're helping them be able to um, really perform at a team level differently than we've ever seen, and we're helping them you know, be able to reach across organizational units, all with a goal in mind. If there's not a goal in mind, then, then training is just, a, is just an hour or two in a classroom, and it just, there's, there's no purpose. Michael has said it a number of times brilliantly. If there's no why, um, the what and the how just falls short. So in my perfect world, everybody's engaged in the, in, the, in the same process, 
of, of improving what they do to help drive the organization. At the same time, we've got coaches in there that are really helping also to drive um, individual processes in education. And, and this, it, it, isn't, it doesn't work in organizations because it takes so much um, time and effort and money, and it's really hard to see the ROI. But, boy, when, it's, it, it, when it works, it works brilliantly, and it's, um, it's, it's probably the, the biggest hope that I have. So for the listeners who may be trying to do it in their respective organizations, Michael, looking at IT and many people somehow brand IT people as a different breed, what would be the nuances that you would like to keep in mind as part of developing any such program for the IT department? It's really not only teaching them the technology, but teaching them the business. Uh, So from an orientation perspective, we need to be focused on the technology and how we're going to be supporting and and utilize the technology in the best way, but also really pairing up with the business and understanding, getting that shadowing, understanding what the business needs. Because from a technology perspective, if you're a web developer or you're a coder, and yet you don't know how that technology impacts a patient care or impacts a caregiver. You, you're not in touch with how what you're doing is really affecting someone's life. Giving them the opportunity to, to shadow, giving them an opportunity to look at how the technology is being used, they then can create that value connection on re- really appreciating how they're affecting that patient's care. So we're very focused on not only teaching them the technology, not, not only keeping them relevant from a technology perspective and investing them from a technology perspective, but really how they touch that patient's life. And that, that's really key, and that's really made us very successful. Also from a retention perspective, you know, folks take pride in knowing what they're doing and what they're doing in their community, Jackson Health System being the safety net hospital for the community, and most of the employees you know, being born and raised within the community, really understand the organization and what we're trying to accomplish from a mission and vision perspective. So, Sean, you must have definitely seen a need for you having a control right from the very start, which is when somebody gets hired. But in many cases, hiring happens and then the employee performance leader, like yourself, is asked to see if you can do the best you can. Why is that uh, an issue or is that an issue today? You know, in in my perfect world scenario, it's an issue, but it's it's the real world. So we we know that that's going to happen, Sanjok. It's it's a it's a very good point. We know that we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to 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 hire the right person to bring them on on an on a on an intentional onboarding uh, methodology and to give them all the tools and and really um, you know opportunities to succeed. But then business happens, so we we know that's an issue. We we work. Around that, or we work not around it. We actually work with it, and we, you know, there's kind of an employee life cycle too that people need to get kind of get into their world, into their work, learn what they're doing, and and you know the first, you know, weeks to months, it's uh, there's not a lot of extra time or mental energy to do anything new. So we do actually circle back with the majority of our folks on um, regular intervals to both see how they're doing, but also assess kind of their. Um, scope and capacity to take on further um, development opportunities. So there's, there is a planned model for kind of working through that employee life cycle. When you look at uh, the typical burnout rate in IT, that's pretty high in many organizations. Yep. 
And uh, Michael, when you look at anyone trying to grow or trying to at least become a better them, they need some breathing room. And that breathing room is rarely offered because one deadline after another, one project after another. How do you expect a worker, try being in their shoes, how can they even come up to your expectations when they don't have a breathing room or, or any time that they can invest in themselves? Correct. And trying to, to find that, that balance between work and, and lifestyle is, is something that we deal with on a daily basis, especially when you have the top performers that want to excel. So, you know, they'll come in at 6 o'clock, they'll leave at 11 o'clock, and, and you know, they're job-based employees, and they just want to make sure that they came on track. But as leaders, we need to be looking at that. I'm observing that knowing what the employees are going through, and as we're creating projects and, and critical paths, we have to account for uh, fatigue. We have to rely on making sure that the, that the employees are going to be performing at a level where they're not fatigued and, and not having issues. So it's, it's tough, but also being more flexible. For the first time, Jackson has, has installed a work-from-home uh, policy where users or employees can work remotely because we, we have to be able to have that, those kind of flexibilities. Uh, we've done uh, things in reference to on-call pay also. So, you know, and, and the way we structure on-call for not everyone to be on-call 24-7 because they're the only person that knows a particular system or application where we're, we're trying to avoid single point of failures from a human perspective where we have resilient support that can let folks still have some kind of life. Let's take a quick break, listeners, and we'll be right back. And, Sean, let's talk about how could you perhaps transform these tired warriors who don't have the breathing room yet. And, yes, there are some tactics being utilized, like Michael mentioned, about working remotely. And and most of us know when you tried working remotely, we actually end up working more hours. So there has to be something else that needs to be tried in order for us to create that breathing room for these employees to leverage what you're trying to offer them as performance and relevance development programs. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. 
Welcome back. So, Sean, a tired warrior cannot be transformed, right? First, they have to take rest. And if you are trying to help them get their work-life balance and, and do whatever they do from wherever with mobile devices, while we've given them flexibility, but we've taken even more time away from their real breathing time. So what are you doing in your group or what do you think in the people who are like, you know, representing uh, similarly in other organizations should be doing to prevent that from happening so you get a chance to work on those employees when they are in their sane state of mind? It, it's a great question. And, and you know, work-life balance is, is the unicorn of our industry. Everybody can tell you what it looks like, but nobody's really seen one or seen it work. So I, to answer this question, I, always, I actually go up a few levels, and, and I actually start at the organizational level. And if at the organizational level, there has to be an extreme commitment to purpose. And when you get the extreme commitment to purpose, you're actually then able to um, prioritize initiatives. And, and that's, so when we see burnout, we see people, you know, doing one change after another or one initiative after another. Some of them make sense. Some of them don't. Some of them have legs. Some of them don't. But it's that constant, you know, wave after wave coming in. So at the organizational level, there really does need to be a process for prioritization and saying no. Then we, so let's just say we have that. We have, we have strong organizational purpose. The next thing is we actually put it back on our leaders because it really isn't a magic bullet. The IT department is different than marketing, is different than HR, that is different than operations. So we have 10 leadership competencies, and this is what I advocate for all the organizations I work with, that within those competencies, one of them has to be um, you facilitate the development and the, um, the growth of others. So as a leader, we actually are going to, we're going to judge your success on how well you have facilitated facilitated the success and growth of others. And part of that is that work life or that resiliency piece. And then as you make your way down the chain, and, and then what that does for the leaders is it really puts some accountability on them to go get the answers and to go talk to their folks and see what's going to work the best. Um, it doesn't really work at an organizational level to mandate anything. Um, and then you kind of walk down the rest of the path, and it, it really does become providing a significant amount of tools, resources, coaching, and help um, to teach people about resiliency, to teach people about work life, to give them, um, you know, ease of answers to anything organizationally that, that they need or to give them any support they need. So all of those pieces have to be in, in play. And I, I realize it's a long answer. This is a, this is a very complex issue and um, it takes a lot of people working in, in the same direction. So, of course, uh, Sean, people like yourself, kudos to you that you are trying tirelessly to make a dent in the system and try to transform these employees. Michael, from your standpoint, given whatever we discussed so far, you mentioned that people need to learn business as part of the IT department. Given what is happening, what's coming ahead of us, things which are unknown, which could be the security threats or the ones which are totally transformational, which are Internet of Things and cloud and other mobility-related trends. There are so many things happening. What are you expecting your employees to be beyond their technical skills in order for them to be really creating the most value, which people like Sean can help develop? Yeah, it's really about the innovation. It's empowering the users, uh, being able to think for themselves and, and take pride in, in the feedback process of saying, you know, I feel that if we make this one less click, uh, it will be more efficient, more effective. Historically, folks would just do the jobs, would just create the wedges. 
we're, we're, we're no longer in that situation, and we need those employee feedback uh, to be able to really make change. And, and if they feel that they're part of the process, they'll buy into the process also. As Sean spoke about organizational structure and, and, and the buy-in. You know, here at Jackson, we developed a, a governance process to really prioritize what projects we need to be working on and, and assessing the types of resources that are needed to be successful. So we can say the no's. And not everything could be, you know, the next or the top or the number one priority. And in doing so, uh, a lot has to do with strategy. What's coming down the pipe? What are we looking at the next three years? What are we looking at the next five years? And how are we aligning? How are we mapping to that strategy from a technology perspective so we could start the training efforts? So we could start the processes earlier knowing that it's coming and knowing that it's a priority at the organizational level. Outsourcing, distributed workforce, mobility, generational gaps. Sean, all of these are new which we are encountering in the last decade how has that impacted your strategies or what you're going to do going forward so that people who are sitting in their own respective houses in their pajamas are still able to be most relevant and perform at the highest level it, 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 these are all absolutely um, new opportunities for us, issues or opportunities. Uh, the, the, the first piece, I think, is just a, I'm going to go back to that clarity of purpose so that we all are at least uh, aligned and agreed upon um, kind, of a, kind of a direction. Interestingly enough, we're not seeing as much of a uh, change from um, kind of generational perspective that we thought we would. Kind of when you boil things down, people still want to be, um, feel like they're working for a good organization, they're working with a good, with a good group of people, and they're having an opportunity to improve. And that really isn't different. They're you know, maybe more mobile from a younger perspective. Um, at the same time, outsourcing with vendors, we really do, uh, and, I, and I would advocate, really spending some time to do the same kind of enculturation things with our vendors and our outsource folks that we do with our internal people, because even if they're only with us for three, six, nine, twelve months, that's a pretty intensive time, and, and, and you're going to get a lot more work done when they, when they feel like they're part of the culture instead of just you know, feeling like they're an outsider that's going to not have accountability when they leave. So one last question, 30 seconds each. So starting with you, Michael, what would be your message to your fellow business and IT leaders with respect to helping drive employee performance and relevance, keeping their own interests in mind and not just the corporations? Yeah, I, I think starting off with the executive team and getting executive alignment and really tr truly making it its own mission and vision in reference to culture, in reference to change, in reference to transformation, because it's all about the employee and you're not going to be successful and get the value out of what you're doing if they're not engaged, if they don't understand the whys and the impact, creating that organizational governance structure, having folks serving as liaisons that are relevant between the business and IT, and cross-training your folks for them themselves to understand the whys they're doing what they're doing. And, and it's, a, it's a whole life cycle. So that life cycle has to continue for change to be successful, for the resistance to it to be less, and to have the overall success and be agile in the future. Sean? So I think real, real quickly that 
people become your strategic advantage and your strategic differentiator. Um, we are all in healthcare. We're all doing the same thing. We all have the same parts and the same high technology and all that. It's really the people who are either going to make it work well or are going to make the struggle. And I think that is the key in any industry. I understand the ROI is tough, is tough to, to project at times, but people become, truly become your strategic differentiator in your business. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, uh, Michael and Sean, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can take an objective uh, look at what is at stake when they are dealing with employee relevance and performance and accordingly invest their time, energy, and dollars towards making sure that we get the most value. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. And uh, listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. 